We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Hopefully, if you're in my area, you're doing it indoors. We'll be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week HelloFresh and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who... We're hot. Everybody's hot. It's all hot. Weeks For weeks now, I've been saying variations on it's hot. It's really hot. We're all hot. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I have been working out. Thank you for noticing. Um, I You're feel so hot. Good. Thank you. Uh, if you're in the United States, you can go to vote.org. They are a non-for-profit, non-partisan group that helps you figure out if you are registered to vote and where you're registered to vote. And I think OBS just crashed. Um, and go to vote.org. Get registered. Go vote. Yeah. Yes, please do that. It's so simple and it feels really, really, really good, uh, especially this year because everybody's talking about it. So why not be part of the conversation if you're over 18? Vote.org. We are here to talk video games. We got a lot of video games, arguably the first big video game of the fall, because the fall starts when it's 122 at my house. That's right. It was 122 at my house uh, today, according to the Los Angeles Times, which is a record uh, for uh, for for my area. So, um, yeah, the fall, as I said, the fall has started and we got games to talk about because the fall is going to be full of them. It's a full fall of games. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for Daily Laughter Co-host. Because (laughs) we have a co-host from Kind of Funny, formerly of Game Informer. You know him. You love him. Imran Khan joins us for the first time. Hello, Imran. Howdy, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome. It's been a while. I've been wanting to have you on the show. I'm so excited you're finally here. Um, thanks for making this happen. Yeah, I've been a big fan of yours, Jeff, for at least like I want to say early podcast days, like mm, early twenty te- tens. I want to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. No, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, though. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I've been a fan of yours too, man. I'm I'm loving what you're doing, and we got a lot lot to talk about today. So let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by using our subreddit, that's 5x5dlc.reddit.com, where cool folks hang out, submit stories, talk about the show, talk about video games and all kinds of other stuff. Really cool folks hanging out there. Uh, you can also email us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you send stories or anything, uh, questions, comments about the show. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But Imran, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I would say because I wake woke up at 6 a.m. to talk about it, I want to talk about the Mario-themed Nintendo Direct. All right. Yeah. Mo- Nintendo... 
celebrating that uh, 35th anniversary of Mario and the Mario franchise. Uh, dropped a ton of Mario info on us this week. And uh, where would you like to start? We got so many Mario projects. Uh, we got this uh, crazy limited edition Super Mario 3D All-Stars. We got this really wild virtual in-your-house Mario Kart. We got a new Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers. We got new Super Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury. There's there's so much to talk about. Where Where would you like to start? Let's start with that 3D All-Stars, because I yeah. feel like that is the most interesting and also, I guess, controversial part of this Direct. Yeah. So, like, if you want to go into it, I'll be happy to, like, pepper my little criticisms as we go through. <laughs> sure. So, we had been hearing for a while, we've been talking about it on this show for, for weeks and weeks now, these rumors that we were going to get a lot of remasters of classic Mario games. There was rumors of Mario Sunshine, and there was rumors of... Super Mario 64, and there was rumors of Galaxy, and it turns out, yes, yes, and yes, and it's all one product. It's in this big uh, compilation disc called Super Mario 3D All-Stars, and these are up remasters of uh, the those classic games. Uh, there's some added functionality that's been brought to the uh, Nintendo Switch, but this is not a full remake like we saw with um, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, this is more, you know, an up-res uh, version of these games. They still look pretty sharp, at least based on the videos that they showed. Um, the weird stuff is that this is evidently going to be a limited edition product. It goes on sale on the Switch September 18th, but then will be taken off of sale March 31st. And before we even get into this, Imran, I, I want to point out to our listeners, in case we aren't aware, scalpers all are already listing this game for upwards of $150 yep. because evidently there is going to be a limited supply of the game. Even on digitally, it is only for sale until March 31st. So we're at a point like it's going to be like PS4 with, with PT. Where yeah. I you'll see eBay listings for I have a Switch. It has Mario Three All Stars. Thus, it should cost more on online auctions. Everything is limited edition, right? Eventually, everything is stop sold. We just maybe they're going to do like twenty million in that two month window. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know how many they're going to sell. But I guess I guess the bits are limited, you guys. I guess I guess there's only so many bits you can send over the internet to people. Uh, every this is manufactured scarcity right this is mm -hmm. this is creating a uh gotta have it mentality uh imran it sounds like this is a negative in your book it is and like i've been thinking about about it a lot and it's it is both a smart move by nintendo because they like they are straight up just manufacturing uh scarcity but also it is a morally i'm not even gonna say it's a gray move i'm gonna say it's an actually like a, a morally black move of they are clearly worried that people are not going to spend much money on on games this holiday like there's already new consoles launching and like big games like cyberpunk nintendo was doesn't have that a big software title this holiday mm -hmm. like pokemon or whatever yeah so they're they're worried that like well how do we get our piece of the pie and the answer seems to be well if we make people spend money now if we don't have one of those things where people say like oh we can't afford christmas presents this year then they they will have to spend the money now and 
I assume just based on the date, just March 31st is the end of their financial year. Yeah, so right. I, just, I think they're juicing numbers for their next financial year. It sure looks that way. Yeah, it sure looks that way. And uh, I don't know. I'm trying to see the uh, the bright side of this, the the thing that makes it into a cool, um, fun thing that's only here for, you know, I, I guess Disney used to do this before Disney Plus was, was a thing. They used to have the vaults where, you know, you'd get a DVD and it came out of the vault for a limited time and then it's going back into Disney's vault for a while and you won't be able to get it. And some people thought that was kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. I, I struggle to find any upside to this other than it makes it feel nice when you're one of the few that gets one. Yeah. And I, I think the way they should have done this, if they were dedicated to this idea of, oh, we need people to buy it this winter, otherwise, you know, our financials be off or whatever. Let's assume that it's like a necessary evil for whatever reason. I think the way they should have done it is say, hey, this is these three games. If you buy it before March 31st, down the line, when we get Galaxy 2 out, it'll come with free with people who bought this. Hmm. But if not, you can buy them all separately later. Yeah. That's the way they should have done this. Instead, it's like, okay, it's going back in the vault. It may never come out again. So buy it while you can, which the very, very short time frame between announcement and release makes me think they just don't want people to think about it that hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an impulse buy. Uh, and you gotta you gotta get it because you might not get it. You gotta get it. I pre-ordered it. And I don't even like. I don't know that I want it. But I'm just <laughs> well, like, yeah. well, I, I want to make the decision for myself at some point. But yeah. after, like, I saw it was up on Amazon. I was like, oh, I might as well. I'm all digital on Switch, but this I bought physical because, like, well, who knows what will happen in the future. It kind of feels like they learned the wrong lessons from the NES Mini and the Super NES Mini. You know, it's like the they went, oh, hey, people couldn't get those and they really, really wanted them. Let's make sure that happens on all our stuff in the future, all our retro stuff. Uh, you know, let's let's generate that kind of mania around things, because I, I was that way with the NES and Super NES is I was like getting online and, you know, I would see an alert on a website like it's available now. I'd get online I'm like, what do I even want this? I mean, swept up in the wrong feeling here. But um, Christian, what do you think about this manufactured scarcity? Well, I know that this episode of DLC is going to be taken offline of September 14th. So listen to it before <laughs> then. It is uh, gone after that. In fact, once you start playing it, you only have 24 hours to finish it. Before yeah. it this message it. will self-destruct. <laughs> I mean, yes, as a consumer, it is a bad look, right? As a company, it is hype beast. You know, it is Supreme. It is <laughs> Jordan's. It is um, uh, everything. It, it is everything. And it is annoying. But I mean, it, yeah, I think that's the end. That's the stop, right? Like as a consumer, it's annoying. As, as a savvy company, I agree with you both. I think it gives them potential press talking points, an exciting moment this holiday season. It's going to be, you know, in the zeitgeist. And at least if, I, if there's a silver lining, I, at least it's three old games, you know, like I imagine yeah. like if they're Not Breath like, of the Wild 2. Yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> Odyssey, Mario Odyssey 2. We're only releasing it for a week, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it, but I also I, my, my, my tweet was like, how many different versions of Mario 64 do I own? And Nintendo was like, yeah, but you want one more. And I was like, no, I think I'm, I pre-ordered it. <laughs> well, that, that's the next part we should talk about because I have to admit that in the post A Link's Awakening world, 
this feels a little bit like a disappointment to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, Imran? Uh, the product itself, divorced from the the way that they're selling it or the time period in which they're selling it, do you think this is exciting to you? No, and there's a couple of reasons why. Like, one, this is not Nintendo's fault, and it's actually like a very fascinating piece of like weird timing. But a PC port that was made by fans who reverse engineered the source code of Mario 64 just came out fairly recently. And this PC port is actually incredible. Like it's they replaced the models with the with the models that like the CG art from Mario 64 at the time. So mm-hmm. it's like a really interesting new take on this game that honestly looks a lot better than the Mario 64 port they're putting out right now. Yeah. That, like that's part of what kind of leads to my disappointment for a bit. And also there's other things like Sunshine that game needs improvements. Like it mm-hmm. regardless of what you think of Mario Sunshine, there are some structural issues that you could fix with say a blue coin tracker or whatever things that like would not take that much extra work to do that they're not doing for the, this sort of thing and i you don't need to be a crash or spiral level remake to wow especially with like games that honestly mario galaxy Mario 64 two of the best games of all time mario sunshine as people will say different things but it's still a great game <laughs> but it's these are still fantastic games that could use those small little touches and pushes and polishes that they're doing to like, let's say Mario 3D world. They're like changing some things on a fundamental level that they could have done with this. And they're not. May I I, I, I sit here for a minute? Like I agree. Uh, The, the devil's advocate part of me is like, I think they're packaging it well. Um, Pikmin 3 is kind of, and, and I guess for Mario World, they're doing this too. It's kind of just a re-release and like they changed it, but it's 60 bucks. Um, here, they've branded it as All-Stars, which they have a past precedent of doing. And so I think games- that's a really cool thing. I The, the fact that, that in the 90s, there was the Super Nintendo, yeah. Super Mario All-Stars that had Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, the Lost Level, Super Mario Brothers 2, and Super Mario Brothers 3 all in one cart. Like, as an as an anniversary product, it's fun to evoke that history. I think that is a really cool thing. But I'd argue that that raises the expectations more mm. because then All Stars was. Uh, I know some people disagree with like the way they changed the physics in that game, but they were entirely remade games. They looked like they looked like SNES games. Maybe not on the level of Mario World, but they were clearly like a big package including unreleased content. Yeah. The big thing about this game is. Maybe I can play Mario Galaxy with a pro controller. I'm not entirely sure yet. And this is Hope the so. highest res Mario 64 you've gotten. And like, and this, and this is the soundtrack. And again, I agree, but also like, I, I feel like Nintendo as a fan, as a consumer, yes, I would want them all to be, you know, 1080, 60 frames, reimagined, remastered. But I do think Nintendo has been uh, smart with, the, they've kind of, done different things for different franchises and they're leaning into a certain aesthetic here that they've done before for a 35th anniversary. And I guess, I think it was Wario 64 that tweeted out, like there was part of this celebration that was supposed to happen in April. It looked like, I think if I have that date, right. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think to me, it feels a little short shrift because it's like the holiday season and there wasn't a big E3 announcement where they had a bunch of things that they were talking about. And it's just kind of like, uh, but as a, as a standalone thing, I'm kind of excited. 
Well, I'm glad I, I'm if if Imran was right and I could just buy each of these individually, you know, as a digital download, I would only get Galaxy. That's the only one of these that I'm actually really interested in. But if they had made Super Mario 64 or Sunshine or both with the Odyssey engine, then I'm in. I mean, I want to I want to see those games reimagined like Link's Awakening was reimagined. That's that was would be what would get me super excited. And now I kind of want to download this PC port that Imran's talking about because that sounds awesome. Um, so what I'm a little edition. Sorry, what if the limited edition is just <laughs> after that time expires? They do release them individually. <laughs> like, uh, well, that could very well be. It could yeah, very I well think, be. I think that's a good call if they did do that. I we do, and this is part of like I think one of the reasons people are reacting so strongly to this game and this announcement is that it comes on the heels of Nintendo being their most quiet they've ever been, and yeah. they're. I'm going to say, like, honestly, some of their worst communication they've ever had. So we don't know what's happening at March 31st. We don't know if Mario Mario is turning into a pumpkin or what. <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, people are going to buy it because they are questioning, okay, is this still going to exist or not? I think if they did break it up, there'll be people who are are happy about they're like, okay, good. Now I'll just buy the games I want. But there'll also be people like, well, I just bought the whole collection for 60 bucks, And you're telling me I could have just bought Galaxy? Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting because you're right. They have been more tight lipped than they've been in the past. And yet I think it was it last month or the month before six of the top 10 NPD games were Nintendo switch titles. So, you know, <laughs> there's no consequences for any of it. <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's no incentive for them to open their mouths. Uh, but let's continue and talk about some of the other things that were announced uh, because that was, I think the big flagship title, but some other really fascinating things. I, I genuinely want to get Mario Kart Live Home Circuit for my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want it for my and kids my, also. Yeah, totally for my me. kids. Uh, my kids will be playing it, not me. Um, this is a wild product. If you haven't seen it, the idea is that it's a hundred bucks. Uh, it launches on October sixteenth, and it has a full of. Uh, toy version of a cart mario and i think there's a mario set and a luigi set and the carts the little remote control car has a camera in it you place it on the ground in your house and then you place a number of flagpole uh, like um finish line lap circuit markers uh, around your house and it creates a a race in your house in on the floor among the furniture, around the corners of your hallways, and you play on your Switch like you're playing Mario Kart, but the camera displays live images of your house over which are uh, presented graphics that are like Mario Kart, like a, a track that you have to stay on and items that can be picked up and used. And if you use an item or an item gets used on you, you run over a a banana peel or something, the actual physical car stops moving for a short period of time. So it's this physical thing that's moving through your house, but also you're playing on your switch, looking at your house from the floor level. It's such a wild Nintendo, like the only company that's doing anything like this, such a wild concept. And it instantly makes me want to do it. I I, I don't know. Imran, are you, do you think this is cool or do you think it's a a silly gimmick? I think it's a really cool idea. I think this is kind of what they were trying to get out with Labo of the idea Mm -hmm. of, hey, we're trying to merge these physical objects with your actual game playing thing. And this does seem just so like them that they would, 
they perceive themselves primarily as a toy company. And this is the a unique thing they can do as a software slash hardware platform slash toy company to do these things together and like unite all these forces. And I just I love the idea. I am scared that it's not going to be you're not going to find this anywhere. Yeah. But and I'm also scared that like I'm going to buy this, going to discover it doesn't work on carpet. And be like, all right, well, I guess I'm not really using this. Yeah, the the video that they showed was in the like the coolest person's house ever, you know, with big open spaces and just the right placement of of furniture so that you can weave in and out of it. And then I look at my house and I'm like, well, I'm not really sure where we're going to put this thing, but it, it'll be interesting to see how robust a system it is, how much space you actually need, how tight the corners can be. It feels like it's fraught with peril from, the, from a software point of view for making a functional uh, track. But uh, but Christian, are you are you into this idea? What do you think? I'm very into the idea, but uh, I will agree at the house, it's kind of like in VR commercials where it's like, I'm a college kid. And then they like push a table away and they live in the friend's apartment, you know, and it's like 40 yeah. feet big. Yeah, um, right. But it looks awesome. I'm, I am nervous about, you know, when pre-orders do or don't go live and how quickly it, it sells out. The thing that I'm really curious about is like how long until someone like Ken Block puts the camera on like one of his uh, rally cars and tries to do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It looks awesome. I'm curious to like the actual what I'm not sure about, like the actual racing. You could have two cars like up to three players. Is it? AI after that, like part of Mario Kart is throwing the items and, and doing things. So I'm curious. What well, I'm sure it's AI. I'm sure there's tons of, really it says you can, it says you can um, race against Koopalings. Uh, so I'm sure it just peoples your little living room with all kinds of, you know, virtual things. Yeah. I can't imagine it's going to be like a great video game, but I think the no- the novelty of it will at least like entertain for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. My son had his fourth birthday yesterday and it was a Hot Wheels themed birthday because he's all about Hot Wheels right now. So I feel like this, if I can get my hands on one of these, it's going to blow his mind, man. He's going to be unable to even process like how we can be looking at our own house uh, through this camera and racing in our own house. Uh, but again, uh, he's four. He may be just be like, this is normal. This is exactly how technology should have always worked. How do sprinklers feel? Are they okay or are they a little bad? Uh, well, I will tell you, even though it was a Hot Wheels themed birthday and he got a number of Hot Wheels, uh, for, as presents, I mean, I think he's up to like 50 little Hot Wheel cars now at this point. He has like cases to place them in and stuff, you know, it's like, you can buy 20 Hot Wheels for like $15. So it's like, he's just showered. We did a, we literally did a pinata with Hot Wheels in it. So anyway, um, but the best his the present that he was most excited about is uh our friends made him a PVC pipe that you can hook up to the spring to the uh, hose and it has sprinklers that you can turn on and off with with nozzles it was literally like a you know a $10 home depot project that somebody put together and it, it, he was more excited about that than anything else so yeah, he's still on the yeah, yeah. sprinkler anyway well, i just talked about my kid's birthday for way longer than i should have um so i think we're all on the same page the mario kart live home circuit pretty cool idea what about game and watch Super Mario Brothers? Now, I'm I know I'm older than either of you. I had a Mario game and watch. In fact, it was one of the first video games I ever had. I remember vividly playing the heck out of my game and watch uh in the back seat of my parents' car because they would just let me have it and it was L- those LCD, I guess it was 
or else yeah lcd displays those like monochromatic uh black thing that would just light up and you would have to jump over barrels it was so simplistic and so primitive by today's standards but oh my god i loved it so much so i definitely got some nostalgia rub from this but Imran, do you think this is a cool product more than just the nostalgia rub, uh, a, a Super Mario Brothers handheld uh, standalone game device? I think it is cool. I I want one. And again, this is like the, the, the running theme of this entire Direct was, I want this, but ha- will I be able to get it? And yeah. this is also that question here. I There used to be a Nintendo in the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance era released like two Game & Watch collections that were Mario themed. They were just the old Game Watch games, but they put Mario characters in there, and like we played the old ones too. But I, they're like the the Mario ones, like more modern controls and like better graphics, all that. So this kind of appeals to that part of me. It was like I remember those things, and those things are really liked. So this seems really cool. It seems like a thing I will buy or try to buy at least. Then probably just like play once or twice and put up. But it yeah. it definitely like. If you want to evoke nostalgia, this is a great way to do it. And even if you don't, if you want like parents to go, hey, this is a thing that I had. Why don't you check it out with more modern, whatever, modern graphics, modern sensibilities? I think this is also a good idea for Nintendo to do that. Yeah. It's interesting to me that they're retaining the watch functionality, which serves as an alarm clock, should you want it to do that. Uh, 50 bucks for this thing comes out November 13th. Christian, uh, do you covet one of these things or is it just kind of a, a fun little a gimmick? Yeah, I'm I, I feel I feel fortunate that I, I do not want one or I'm able to resist my urge, I guess. I, I think it is cool. I think it is. It's a shelf product, right? Like I put it on my shelf and be like, there it is. Um, I These games are I can play them on my switch, which I can take with me. And I have my Nintendo online service. So they're there and I have them plenty of places. What it makes me nostalgic for though was the game boy advance mini because that's what it looks more like to me than um the a, a game and watch per se i never bought a the, the game boy advance mini and they're, they're, they were too tiny to play but they were so cool they came with like a lanyard and i see people wearing around their necks <laughs> yeah um but yeah this is this is an easy pass for me like if it had a few more games on it maybe because then it's like a a boredom killer you know in the car on a road trip or something like that that's not like the switch is dead or something. Um, but it, it's packaged very nicely in terms of the look and feel of the device, but I will be able to resist. We also got Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is a, a remake port of the Wii U game, uh, which uh, I think looks pretty cool. Was was fun. I remember playing it on Wii U. I think that's pretty cool. That comes February 12th, 2021. Uh, and then... Nintendo's doing Battle Royale, um, albeit fewer players. Uh, there's a product called Super Mario Brothers 35. This is going to be a digital-only product. No way to buy it in a store, in a box. It's uh, only downloadable. And this is basically playing Super Mario Brothers against 34 other people in real time. Imagine Tetris 99, but with levels of Super Mario Brothers. Um I guess it had to happen eventually, right, Imran? We had to have a, a version of Mario that was a battle royale. Yeah, there was a a fan game not too long ago, I want to say about two years ago, called like Mario Battle Royale or something like that. There's this same concept, basically. Just like 100 Marios just running through a level, whoever like gets in the top 50 wins or uh, moves on. 
Mm-hmm. They shut Nintendo shut that down. I don't think, for the record, that Nintendo shut it down thinking, "Oh, let's steal this idea." But this does seem like a very logical idea for them to just <laughs> yeah. go like, "Battle Royale is big. Mario is our big thing. Let's just do a thing." I don't understand the cutoff date for it. Again, this the cutoff date is just completely nonsensical. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think they're trying to create some sense of this stuff only exists because we're having an anniversary. There's some like, these aren't products that we want to put out. These are special anniversary events. But yeah, ultimately it's clumsy and, and weird and just kind of not very consumer friendly at all. It just makes it so that, hey, here's the thing we want to tell you about, but it's not going to be around that long, especially a game where you want to have a vibrant multiplayer community in order for it to be anything at all. It feels weird to stop selling it and cut yeah. it off. Uh, yeah. Like Tetris uh, 99 yeah. has grown into such a great thing over the last year. It's strange that they're like not giving this any time to evolve in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. This one uh, premieres or launches on October 1st and then well, cease again uh, the same date, March 31st, 2021. Uh, Christian, you were saying? Maybe what will give it its multiplayer community is that it's only for a limited time. Like maybe the depth isn't there. And so instead of like kind of dwindling a slow death, it's like, oh, I want to play this. So everybody jumps in. And I could also see them doing something where it's like, we've extended it. And now you're playing as Luigi or, you know, something like there's room for like, because you demanded it two more months. Mm. I think it's smart how Nintendo is using products like this and Tetris 99 to serve as kind of commercials for Switch Online. You know, it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's a huge lift in terms of development, but it is something that is exclusive to the platform that gets people to remain subscribed to that service and to maybe check out other games. And it seems like a, a fun, interesting distraction. And I think if, you know, Fall Guys is proving, uh, you know, a, a fun battle royale can cross genres. And I think I'm excited to see how this plays and, and to see how it sticks. Yeah, and this uh, this seems to be Nintendo's E3, right? This is their Summer of Games event. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, we may get another Nintendo Direct uh, soon, but it seems like this was their their big fall lineup uh, and beyond. So that means that we need to play our Summer of Games bumper, but we have to decide... Uh, which one is best suited. So let's decide if it's this. It's the Summer of Games on DLC. You're gonna get hyped up and the news will live up to your expectations. Oh, did it not live up to your expectations? Or it's the Summer of Games on DLC. You're gonna get hyped up and it pretty much lines up with your expectations. Does it pretty much line up, man? I don't know. Or it's the summer of games on DLC. You're gonna get hyped up, and the news is more exciting than your expectations. Yes, there's nothing like uh, playing a bumper three times in a row to make people really hate it. But I love it. Thank you, Sean Madigan, for those bumpers. Imran, what do you think? Uh, doesn't quite live up. Pretty much lives up, or exceeds your expectations. It's weird because Nintendo has managed to exist in all three at once. Because, like, oh, yeah, this is a weird – this is a COVID year. No one's doing that well. But at the same time, like, really? This is the fall? This is what we're doing? And also, like, I, I'm pretty jazzed about 3D World. I'm cool. It's cool that they're, like, 
making that game faster and it's online. So I don't know. It's kind of, If I had to go, I'd say like just that expectation, just because it evens out there. Pretty much lives up with your expectations. All right, Christian, what, what's your rating? Christian has them pre-ordered and <laughs> pre-order the rest. Nintendo could release Mario Diarrhea and I'd still buy it. Um, it, 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 it hits my expectations. It is what I had heard and what felt rumored. And while I would have loved to have seen a beautiful remake, um, it is not what I was expecting. Yeah, I think it doesn't quite live up to my expectations. I, I, I well, I'm I'm delighted by the Mario Kart game. I think honestly, that's the standout for me of this entire <laughs> direct was like just how wonderfully Nintendo that is, and and they they have a lot of misses, but they managed to capture that childlike wonder better than any company in this entire hobby in this entire market. They come out with these products where it's like, oh, yes, of course, as a kid. That is exactly what I've always wanted is to run. When I play Mario Kart, I wish it could be in my house. So they made it. So in that sense, I did not see that coming and it exceeded it. But everything else, I really think the uh, the three games is one bundle, especially with how hard it seems like it's going to be to get it. It just feels like it, it could have been a little bit better. So didn't quite live up for me. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to some other news. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, I love Squarespace. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. I love Squarespace. I've been using Squarespace since ugh, the, the time when Imran was telling me that he uh, listened to me in the early days <laughs> of podcasting. It's been a long time. I have recommended Squarespace to friends and family uh, for over a decade because it's just the best and it remains the best. Why best? Because best to me equals easiest. The easiest way to have a website a website that looks great, a website that does everything that you could ask of a website. If you need to blog or publish content, if you need to turn an idea into a website, showcase your work in any way, sell products, you can sell stuff on Squarespace. It's so easy to add e-commerce functionality to any website with Squarespace. It's, it's literally a couple of clicks and you've got a storefront right there online. It's so simple. And you just, what you do is you start with their templates that are made by award-winning world-class designers. And you start building it. You start messing around. You start making it your own by just dragging and dropping. It's all what you see is what you get. It's so simple. It couldn't be easier. No coding experience. No need to hire a, an expensive web designer. You can do it yourself. Make it yourself. Also, you can buy your domain right there on Squarespace. You can choose from over 200 extensions. That's pretty great too. They have a built-in search engine optimization. They have analytics. There's never anything to patch or upgrade. It's just simple. Plus, if you run into any problems, 24-7 award-winning customer support to help you figure out what to do. Make it yourself. Don't worry. Don't stress. Don't rely on anybody else. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me right now. Get yourself a free trial. Build your website. You don't even have to give them a credit card. There's nothing that's going to automatically charge you. It's simple. It's free. It's easy. Use their tools. See how, see how fun it can be, really. And when you're ready to launch your website, use the promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. All right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? 
Well, I need to apologize if my audio uh, is bad this episode or something. I am doing this show via a soup can and a string um, because my computer is in the garbage. Um, yeah, I know where it belongs. Been, it could have just been my GPU in the garbage, but I was like, you know what? The whole thing is going to go in the garbage because um, you know, you, your because your case is no longer large enough, and your and your power supply is no longer big enough either. I got to be all garbage. Four. I need a bigger P- PSU. I, my case needs to be the size of an apartment on an Oculus VR commercial. You know, like I need, yeah. I need all of it um, because, of course, as rumored, uh, Nvidia announced new GeForce cards. The thirty or three hundred series, thirty seventy, thirty eighty, thirty ninety have been announced. The thirty seventy is four ninety nine, and it's better than a twenty eighty Ti. Better than garbage is what you're saying. Better than something that is now garbage. Throw it in the garbage. The RTX 3080, I think, is what, twice the performance of uh, Jeff's garbage. Yep. The, the 3090, oh, I'm sorry, the, the 3080 is 699. The 3090 is 1499. Woo! It is basically trade in your partner. Like, it's better than <laughs> your, your loved one. Yeah. Um, you have a ray traced, better looking loved one with the uh, GeForce RTX 390. <laughs> this is a video card that's what three, four new consoles. The price of four new consoles. Holy moly! But uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you get to ray trace everything. Everything's being ray traced. It's all ray traced. Also, um, it serves as a mini fridge because it's about the same size as one. <laughs> um. Yeah, th- there's a lot of really wonderful technical tidbits that you can dig into here. They have completely redesigned the cooling of these. Uh, these we start with the price because I know the 3090 is super expensive, but and it's hard to justify because people complain about Nvidia creep or whatever, and it's also hard because you're like, oh well, I bought this last one two years ago, and now they're undercutting it by this much, but if the 3070 delivers the performance they say it delivers. I was shocked to yeah. see these prices. And again, don't get me wrong. They are high, high-end, and PC enthusiast gaming is expensive. I'm not trying to say that these are cheap. I'm not trying to say that these are reasonable. I'm not trying but to say also, that you should it, buy them. It also completely drives down the current price of 20, you know, 2080s, 2070s. It, it is driving that they down. They discontinued them. <laughs> well, they discontinued them, yeah. But the, but the resale market... Believe me, I was looking because I, I happen to have one of those that I'd like to resell. Um, I mean, you can get them for like three, four hundred dollars now. Yes. So yeah, it, it ultimately it is they are very expensive, but it makes the the price of entry to get into the RTX, the ray tracing era of PC graphics cards, I think uh, more attainable for some. And it certainly is staggering the leap that they seem to be indicating these cards are going to provide. Like it's it's all relative, right? Like these are these are not that expensive compared to what I thought they would be. And I, as somebody that usually my my generational cycle is, I will buy the new consoles, then like two or three years in, I will buy like upgrade my PC. If I if I stick to that cycle now, then I will probably get these at like for a song, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> I can get like a major leap from my current build for less than six hundred dollars, and like. Even when you're doing the calculus, let's say you're a PC gamer or you're a PC slash console gamer, the calculus you can do this generation is I could buy a Series X and it can do X, Y, and Z 
or I could just get most of those games on my PC for roughly the same cost. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're talking uh very, very high end uh monitors are supported. There's a eight K at the thirty ninety now they're they're saying will be supporting eight K resolutions, which I got to get a new monitor now. I mean, how much the 8K displays are are ungodly expensive. But Imran, a couple of your compatriots over there at Kind of Funny evidently had a chance to go and and see eyes on uh, an 8K monitor. Have you heard from them uh, personally about what that experience was like? Because it looked like their eyes were popping out of their heads. Basically, yeah, their eyes popped out of their heads. Their hair was blown back. It was like I I was with Tim Gettys not after or not long after that, and he was talking about like. 8K looked like 8K. It looked like a considerable improvement over 4K. Like you could see it, and I cannot imagine. I I I still PC game at 1080p because that's the best frame rate you're gonna get in like the best uh, performance and all that. But I cannot imagine. I it seems like just an amazing number that I don't see myself personally trying to go for. But I bet whoever does is going to enjoy the the heck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news is if they're shooting for 30 frames at 8K, that means at the resolutions that us mere mortals are playing at, it'll be high frame rates and and should be uh, you know, rock solid and and buttery smooth and that is exciting to me because I'm not playing at 4K, but I've got an ultra wide monitor that has a pretty high resolution and the idea of this arms race continuing and having leaps and bounds. It just seems like the last two years, the leaps and bounds have been massive. And it does, it does feel like ray tracing is going to be the new standard with both consoles, both major consoles supporting it out of the box and PC cards that can do ray tracing. Now the price being driven down on them. I'm excited. I think we're going to see real uh, improvements. I was also excited because part of that, the end of that presentation that, that NVIDIA press conference was them straight up saying, Hey, we're trying to give you guys holodecks. We're tr- we're going for it. We want you to have holodecks in ten years. And I was like, "Yes, Nvidia. Yes, I will throw money at you to get me a holodeck." Um, so, fan. I mean, I, I like pricing is pri- you know we could go on for days about it, but I do think and and AMD as well. I'm not trying to say that other companies aren't doing this, but. I like, like you mentioned, the holodeck, and I liked RTX, you know, kind of coming out when it did, and, and two years ago, whatever, it was three years ago when they announced it, it was like, we're pushing this forward. Oh, the games don't support it. It was like, they are constantly, in my opinion, pushing forward technology leaps in GPU, and they talked about folding at home and other things like that, that the computational power that these GPUs are providing, and I'm super impressed. Do I have any plans on getting an 8K anything? No, I do not. But yeah, until the Black that, Friday deal where they'd say 8K monitors, uh, you know. Right. But but that technology being available now is, you know, I like I like pushing those limits, you know, getting those things right. out in the market and then allowing everything else to catch up so that then, yeah, my kids, I can just visit their holodeck and be like, hi, I'm here. And they're like, oh, dad, get out of my holodeck. Um, yeah. I don't actually have to go visit them, you know. It's yeah, not- no, honestly, I only had two major disappointments uh i mean obviously the prices are are, are very high for the the, hot, the super high-end card which is what i covet um but my you know my my biggest disappointments were i couldn't pre-order right then because i was 
throwing money at my screen and it was, it was making 8k little divots in my <laughs> screen. Um, and, uh, and the other disappointment I had, and this goes along with what you said, Christian, about them, you know, championing technology early and being, um, being, you know, leaders there and trying to, uh, trying to push things through is that the virtual link is officially dead before 2.1 is standard. Yeah. But I was very excited about virtual link being in all the 20, you know, the 20 series cards because it was going to be the single cable solution for virtual reality. And then nobody supported it. It was supposed to be this big multi-corporation agreement that all these different manufacturers were going to jump on board with. And then all these, you know, the index came out and didn't have it. The the new Oculus came out and didn't have it. I was like, what, what, what? And now there's, they're just discontinuing. It's been officially abandoned um, by everybody. So that bums me out. So I feel like that uh, was maybe less of a GPU move. I'm just speculating and more of a, none of the headsets included. It. Yes. No, I mean, it failed spectacularly. And I think, it, you know, all the people that are anti VR are laughing, but, and so, and rightfully so, but it, it it bums me out because I was I thought that was a be would be a useful thing, but I guess the goal is to not have any cords at all uh, as the as the big way to push VR into the mainstream. So there's that. Um, all right. Uh, so clearly, those were the two big stories of the week: new video cards turning my video card into garbage, and Nintendo uh, putting out games that you may or may not be able to buy. Um, <laughs> but I do want to. I think my story of the week. Uh, it, it, you know, it would be one of those, but since those are taken, I'm going to go with uh, Shenmue becoming an anime series. Uh, we just got an, an announcement that Crunchyroll and Adult Swim are teaming up to develop an anime series based on Shenmue. That's right. Shenmue the Animation is what it's called, which I don't, not the greatest title, but you know, uh, 13 episodes the, the first season. It's going to tell the story of Ryo Hazuki, you know, our old friend who's looking for where sailors hang out and uh, trying to hunt down his father's murderer. This is going to be done by some really high-end uh, folks. This is the the same uh, animation studio that did um, a Tower of God and uh, Lupin 3, neither of which I've seen or I'm familiar with, but I hear are very, very well animated. So this yeah, is high caliber stuff. The most recent Lupin show was pretty good. Okay, yeah. I, I'm not an anime guy and uh, I only only know the sort of, you know, big, big, big stuff. But I'm reading about how uh, well regarded specifically the animation are in both of those. And so it sounds like this is a very great team. Uh, and um, the, the person overseeing it is the same guy that did uh, One Punch Man season two uh he's directing and then Yu Suzuki is coming on as a executive producer the creator of Shenmue sometimes those executive producer credits are just in name only so we don't know how much hands on he'll actually have but uh what do you think about this Imran uh Shenmue, Shenmue as an anime what do you think i it might actually work out better than Shenmue as a game at this point <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, Shenmue 2 was it was an experience i don't know that i came away from that game being like happy but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see where they take the Shenmue like ship, where they sail this ship next, because uh, I don't based on Shenmue 2, 
I don't know how I'm going to feel when they have inevitably, as I said, move three. I don't know what form that will take. I don't know how like my mind will react. But I'm looking at this and like maybe this will be a thing that gets me excited about Shenmue again. Yeah. Yeah. Um what do you think Christian? Shenmue uh anime series it's you know it's a it's a game about uh operating a forklift, petting some kitty cats and some, you know, awesome martial arts. So at least we know there's going to be some awesome martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I think it can fit really well. I'm curious um where it will fall in terms of like sense of humor and being self-aware i think one punch man and i don't know if i'm conflating like season one and two so i'm not sure if this is actually season two stuff per se but like self-aware funny you know it's not a slapstick funniest anime around but uh it hits i think it it hits a, a great tone and i think a shenmue anime could also find itself you know being a little less self-serious and i think that's the version i would enjoy i could also though see it going very serious um, yeah which could, i mean it's about a dead dad right like at the end of the day that's what it's you know all the other stuff is we remember but it's a it's a dead dad and the kid going to avenge a dead dad right like yeah i think I, so i don't know i just remember forklifts sailors well there's so um, it was so far from uh, paying off that storyline in any of the games you know it was supposed to be what like a six or seven game series or something i i remember there uh it being very very little about the actual hunting down of the dad and more about the journey along the way so that's also, kind of what Shenmue 2 was frustrating it's like you finish that yeah. game and then you realize wait nothing really happened that yeah. moved the story we got, forward we got no closer to finding dad's killer other than a few like vague flash side flashes of uh, what this evil dude is doing uh yeah it was uh but also good anime i mean that's like yeah. kids are obsessed with pokemon you know when did ash finally win like season 22 like just recently right like and we had whatever it was 20 some odd seasons of him going to different regions <laughs> not nothing happening but it can be compelling i i'm gonna give this the benefit of the doubt i think they have like you mentioned good talent on board um, and I like Castlevania. I like the recent video game anime. I'm excited about the Splinter Cell, and I'm excited to see what they do with Shenmue. I'm glad we didn't well, kickstart it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we have no anticipated release date for the first episode. We don't even know if it's coming soon or, or a little farther off. Hopefully, we don't have to wait as long for it as Shenmue 3. Uh, all right. Let's move on now and talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. Well, this is one of those weeks when we have all been playing the big new release game, and that game is The Avengers, Marvel's Avengers. Uh, this is uh, the Square Enix's big single player slash multiplayer slash all of the above ongoing game as service Avengers game uh where you play as Kamala Khan which i assume no relation right Imran no, no but it is why partly why i like started being a fan of hers <laughs> i'm sure that's cool uh, that's why i like Maz Kanata in the Star Wars universe you know what i'm saying um and that's why i like Sean Spicer <laughs> <laughs> from dancing with the stars <laughs> whammy um well let's let's dig in and talk about avengers first imran what what system are you playing on and, and what do you think of it i'm playing on ps4 and oh boy like 
the the we use the word divisive to talk about a game that some people like and some people don't like. Avengers is divisive within itself. Like there are parts of this <laughs> yeah. game that I think are like genuinely great, and then yeah. there's other parts I think like, oh god, what what decisions are you making here that led to this? And it feels like it's literally just two games smashed together, like a games as a service game and a good single player campaign, and they kind of work together to make some parts a little not. It's like if you really hate coconut, you start eating a cake with coconut in it. There's like, oh, well, parts of this are fine. Then you get to the part you hate. It's like, oh, wow, this this is a bad idea. I should not have started eating this. <laughs> For the record, I really dig coconut, but I know what you mean. Uh, yes. Uh, boy, I think you said that so perfectly. It does feel like if this had just been a single player game, it would have been so good. Uh, Crystal Dynamics knows how to make a really excellent story-based single player game. I think the cutscenes in this game are so well done i really love the characterizations they are very much their own take on the marvel heroes the avengers that we know uh and i i really think i i thought i was gonna not like them and i ended up really like them i kind of like you know emo uh, uh bruce um <laughs> and i think of his name um bruce, bruce banner. banner bruce banner yeah emo bruce banner i like uh I, I like these characters. I, I, they're very different. They're not the movie versions. They're not the comic book versions. They're kind of someplace in between. But when it's telling a story, it tells a story really well. The villains are interesting. And Kamala Khan is such a charming, wonderful lead character. I am. I, I dig her. I like playing as her. I think her moveset is really satisfying. And then you get into these sections where it's like, uh, go stand on a place for 14 minutes. And if you don't, if you leave the area, you fail the mission instantly. And we're just going to throw waves of robots at you. And uh, this is a game. It's a game, everybody. Uh, It's frustrating that you're right. It's like it's a tale of two cities. Mm -hmm. It's also like a little... It is glitchy in a way I did not expect a major AAA release to be. And granted... COVID, all that stuff, like that probably factors in. But wow, there's some really bad glitches. Like, if you just, there's costumes where the character's face will just melt over time in a level, <laughs> which I've seen screenshots and it's like a fairly consistent thing. Like, the subtitles are not correct. They're, there's this major scene at the end where they're confronting the villain and the subtitles are just completely wrong. Like, the, like they used an old version of the script. It's, wow. It's, I've had crashes. I've had things that I think are just like bad design, but were probably a result of not enough playtesting. Like uh, I went to the cosmetic store for the first time today. You can't leave the cosmetic store without buying something, which is <laughs> ridiculous. And almost like they, they apparently give you enough credits to buy the cheapest thing, but they don't tell you to do that. So like I had to just buy, like waste some of my currency on something else. It's stuff like wow. that. It's stuff that, Oh, this is this is the thing I discovered today that I think is actually a thing that I'm shocked that just nobody in this game playtesting it figured out. But when you're in a single-player mission, or when you're in any mission, there are doors that you can only open by either holding the strong attack to smash it open, or certain characters can hack it. Hack hack a certain hack certain doors. So basically, you're going to miss some treasure if you're just playing single-player, either way. Because there's going to be one, some doors of others, some doors of... Uh, like hacking and stuff like that. Right. Captain America can't do either. So <laughs> for some reason, there are doors in his missions that are solely single player, 
that have smashable door has smashable options you can't get through because the AI doesn't do it. There are hack doors that you can't get through because the AI won't do it. And it's just like you guys wrote this mission. This is a <laughs> single player mission that is part of his iconic storyline. This is like a their phrasing for like this is Captain America's side story. Yeah. Why yeah. would you design it this way? Unless there was like, and they've said they're going to fix that so that uh, you can tell the AI to do things. But it was a decision at one point. It wasn't right. that they like made the mistake and just forgot or was a glitch. They thought this is what they wanted. And it's that to me says this game is coming in so absurdly hot that mm-hmm. there are just a lot of things that they figured they could fix later. And that's becoming my – like that kind of affects the games as a service aspect of it as well because I wonder how – will the game shape up as a games of a, as a service game? if they're spending so much time going back and fixing the things that they didn't have time to do in the single player. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the very first mission that you do, that's sort of, uh, you know, as the structure of the game where you, you unlock the map and you get to go to the first mission, it's in the snow. The, there's this door you need to open up or you can open up, I guess. And the way you open it up is that you, there are two pressure plates that are equidistant apart and you are playing single player as one character and you have an AI controlled partner. And it seems so obvious that these pressure plates are supposed to be stood on by each of the characters. And yet the AI character will never step on the other pressure plate. I'll run over and step on the pressure plate and the character will run up and stand next to me. Hulk is looking at me like, well, Hulk want to smash something. And so the, the way you're supposed to do it is you step on the one pleasure pressure plate and then you walk over and step on the other pressure plate. It was so obviously designed as a co-op moment that just doesn't work because the AI is too dumb to know that that's how it's supposed to work. And it's so exactly what you're talking about. It's like, you you put this in here. I, I didn't tell you to put this in here. <laughs> Don't, it, it's, it's baffling. But there's also a lot of really great in the game, as you said, too. Um, Christian, I know you said you had a lot of nits to pick. Yeah, I mean, I think, so I've really only played with the campaign, and you can see my first, whatever it is, three hours or so, I've been streaming uh, 9 to 11 p.m., twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. I'm playing on PC, and you can see like my first three hours with it, and um, I'm using the Elgato Wave 3 and Wavelink, and I, I love it. Uh, I've talked about it on this show before. It works great. I like the virtual mixer um, for whatever reason. And I could just, it might be user error, but I've tried, I've tried looking up online. I can't get the game to have its sound go out through Wavelink. And like only the opening, like comic flipping, like will. I can hear the sound, but it won't stream out. Every other Steam game, fine. Uh, Epic uh, games, fine. Like I don't, there's just like, so I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with the game. Then I died at one point and came back and the audio was just stuttery. It was like, like kind of self echoed. And there were moments I'm playing on PC. I think I said that where there's a thing that has a glimmer on it, right? Like it's clearly like, Oh, there's captain America's boot or whatever. Right. But it has a glimmer on it and I walk over to it and then it has a red, like, no, you can't don't look at this. And then I walk away and it's got a glimmer and I walk back and it's like, no, you cannot look at this. That's because it's, it, you, you haven't triggered the thing that will make you look at, be able to look at it. I know. Don't put the glimmer on it then. Like, right. 
Don't pull me to it to be like, you can't do it. Oh, let me go to this other one with the glimmer. Can't do it. Let me walk over here. Oh, I wonder what I can find in this room. Now I can go look at all of them. Like, again, it's 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 little things like that. Then I was in this other moment early in the game as well. And the music was so intense. It was just like, I'm Tom Cruise running on a rooftop with Spanish tile with a helicopter, you know, Gatling gunning it behind my feet. Just like the most intense chase music you've ever heard. And I, I'm just, I'm just walking, just walking. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, then a cutscene starts and it's still like, you gotta go to that. And they're like, Hey, what are you up to? And it's like, what? Something just triggered wrong in that moment. And it didn't correct. And it just, it, it's again, enough of these little things that kind of pull me out of it. My controller uh it's super rumbly like look all of these cars apparently drive on really rough roads um i'm using an xbox controller on pc and it's just like the whole time um it looks beautiful though the game i think looks prettier now than it did in the beta and you know however that is possible i I am i have everything turned up and it it, it runs well the beta i was getting a lot of stutters going in out of cutscenes. those seem to be largely eliminated um but there are just there are just enough little nits that I feel like my guess about this game for me kind of being like Jedi Fallen Order, I'm pretty sure is going to be spot on. Like I'm going to super love playing the campaign. I'm going to dabble in some more table stuff. And then a year from now, I'll, I will forget about it. Like the combat is very is much more Marvel Ultimate Alliance than it is um, Arkham or Spider-Man. Right. Um, at least where I am and how I've unlocked things. Like, I, I don't feel like there's, I don't need to pay that much attention to what I'm doing. It's kind of just like smash, 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 we jump around, smash, 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 jump around. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very fun roller coaster that I fear the games as service part of it will let me down even more. I still think the gear equipment is weird, um it's very video gamey in the way that like and a lot of games are like this and sometimes it's fine and in this game i'm kind of like i don't know it feels weird like i have no desire to read the collectibles and i think i think that's because they feel out of place to me like control i read everything uh destiny i would even like go in and read some stuff and then i eventually fell off but here it's like comic book and i'm like i don't there wouldn't be a comic book out in the middle and what is this? Do? Doesn't, I'm going to keep playing. It doesn't feel like I should find this. And like a moment where I needed a, this is very early. I needed like a crank for a power thing or whatever. And it was like, you open a crate that's right next to the power thing and the handles there. And so is gear. And it's just like, it's a video game, <laughs> you know, like that's the game. Good. Yeah. And like you make yeah. waves of waves of robots that like spawn at weird. Again, I'm talking, I'm only going to talk about very early stuff because I know it continues, but also no spoilers. Um, like, it's like, you got to activate a series of switches and you do one switch and literally then enemies just teleport to you. Like, you, they're like waiting in the aim base, like, wait, no, 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 Bob, wait for her to touch the switch. Then you 30 go. The rest of you well, 100 stay here. It's worse than that because there'll be really interesting looking enemies outside the little area you're supposed to stay in and so if you go and attack them it'll be like mission failed sorry you walked away too far from the thing you're doing i'm like but you put an awesome enemy there i wanted to kill that's not my fault um yeah for me the the biggest nit of them all is there is some weird floatiness 
with the movement of the characters that really bothers me. And I know we're supposed to be playing superheroes that can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And it's cool that we can leap for miles and miles. But there's even the walking animations feel really floaty and not connected to the ground. And I love the, the, the combat. A punch feels weighty and impactful and it has, it, it feels like it's solid. So that is really good. But just movement, just traversal through the environment feels like it needed another pass of refinement. It needed to be, I don't know. I do suck needed- platforming, which is odd because I'm, I'm a pretty good platformer. And most of my deaths have been, I've missed, <laughs> I've missed a jump. I'm like, come on. I do. Yeah. I will say yeah. that is one of the things that really annoys me about this game is that there are so many opportunities for instant or easy death that result in load times. That is just yeah. a that is unforgivable in this game, like a game like this. Totally. Like early on, where you're like Kamala Khan, you're like, there's a stealth sequence. Every single one of those getting caught things results in a long load time. It should like mm-hmm. it should be you restarted the area in like a second. It shouldn't be that yeah. long because then it gives me no room for experimentation, which makes me feel like I'm funneling down a path. And it's like it's a it's kind of game design one hundred and one of the more I feel like I'm I'm not in control, the less fun I am having. And the game does open up. They do change these things. It, like it does get a little better. And to your uh, concern, Christian, like the the battles, the battle system actually gets better as you start investing in skills, but that's such a weird way to do it because it feels so bad at first. It mm-hmm. feels like they, all the characters are extremely, it feels like a Warriors game, a Dynasty Warriors game at the beginning. And it was it's not until like I really got like uh, Black Widow and Captain America and started putting more points in them that I felt like, okay, this is, I see what they're going for here. They want a more character action thing. It's just the very simple way they start you off does not make that obvious at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will try to counterbalance some of this, uh, which I think, I, I mean, I agree with all of it, but I, I do think I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of the game from a visual standpoint. Uh, it looks spectacular in ultra-wide. It is, um, I'm playing on PC as well. It is, uh, it, 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 the, the cutscenes, the, the storytelling is really good. It's well-written. And I love how it brings you into the world through Kamala Khan's eyes as this super fan of the Avengers. I just love the, I mean, that's that's who I am, right? I'm, I'm a super fan of the Avengers. And there's something wonderful about being introduced to that game world through this wide-eyed fan and how the game sort of onboards you through all that is really delightful. And I think her story is really well told and her relationship with her dad is really well shown. It's just, I I was, I did not expect that the story of this game would be my favorite part of it. It makes a really good, uh, complimentary piece to end game in that way. We're like, yeah, the last few years, the MCU, which has now been put on pause because COVID and, you know, all sorts of things was the Avengers getting back together to face a threat because of tragedy. Mm-hmm. While this game is, what if the Avengers got back together because, not because, tragedy is why they split up, but they got back together because of like wide-eyed optimism and hope. And yeah. that's a really good story to tell. And I think they, one, they misadvertise this game all like crazy because this should have been yeah. the main thrust of it. It should have yeah. been, this is a single-player campaign about Kamala Khan. But right. I it's I appreciate the, what the single-player campaign does well, 
even if I don't think it does everything well. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I, I agree 100. percent I um, you know, I I'm rooting for this game. I want I want them to iron things out as these these games as service games evolve and they continue to evolve this experience. I hope that the um, the missions, the 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 sort of grindiness of the game has more high points and i'm sure we will see lots of dlc and uh added story stuff that will add new parts to the game i hope they're as high quality as the single player storytelling in this game is so i'm I'm rooting for it but i i do think it is a mixed bag for sure and um it has, has higher highs than i expected but also weirder lows than i than i expected i i just it, it it doesn't feel great all the time. And especially when you're just going into these, these grindy sort of wave after wave of, of really kind of barren, nothing levels there, there really just isn't much to them other than just getting to the end, uh, which is in contrast to these really well-crafted story-based levels that have a lot of dynamic, interesting stuff happening and cool Marvel lore and, yeah, it's just, it's like, I think you said it right at the beginning, Imran, it's two games smashed together and not, I think, to great effect. It's a game that I th- keep thinking about and I enjoy playing when I sit down to play, but it, it, it I, I think it will be ultimately forgettable when we've had such highs like the Arkham games and Spider-Man mm-hmm. and, 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 and the past uh, Tomb Raider games, right? Like it's not... Yeah. It's not as high as any of those, but it is a super fun romp. And I feel like, you know, it's hard to put value on something as we were just lusting over very expensive uh, GPUs. But to me, this feels like a wonderful Black Friday pickup, right? Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of fun to be had, but it is not industry changing. Yeah. All right. So what else is on your playlist, Imran? So I have been... It would be inaccurate I've been playing this. I've been watching my girlfriend play this, but I feel like that's basically the same experience in this case. It's a game called Moon, which is a 1997 uh, Japanese-only RPG for PS1 that very recently, I think in the last week, came to Switch in English for the first time ever. Hmm. I don't even, I've never even heard of this game. So most people haven't. And one of the reasons it came over is because it very directly inspired a game called Undertale. And oh, sure, yeah. Toby, Toby Fox was actually speaking to the developer. They were having lunch, according to a Vice article by Patrick Klepek. They were having lunch, and Toby Fox was talking to the, one of the remaining developers, like, why isn't this game ever in English? And it just happened to work out that there were enough stars aligned in the sky to actually work out for this to release in English this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it by a developer called Love Dalek? And they were former Square Enix, like, Chrono Chicken and Mario RPG people. And you can tell that immediately because this game has strong Mario RPG energy. There is a character that is basically Gino, who is named No, no G, in is a wooden doll with a cap. And, like, it's stuff like that. There's, like, small references. And it's uh, – the, the central conceit of this game is – keep in mind, this is 1997. This is the era of, like, just after Dragon Quest V, Chrono Trigger – FF7 was like on the way and is going to pose to be the biggest game in the generation. The a little kid is playing a JRPG on his home console. He's like the the hero fighting killing the monsters and fighting his way to the dragon tower and like defeating the dragon. At some point the kid falls asleep and finds himself awake in this world and 
he see, he's not the main hero. He sees the hero going around killing all these monsters. And it turns out these monsters weren't actually doing anything wrong. The hero was just killing them for experience. So you have to solve puzzles, basically, to find a way to summon the souls of these monsters. Sometimes they're just walking around. Sometimes they need to come out at certain times. Sometimes you need to do something for them to get them to come out. Then you catch them and save, like... Their soul returns to their body and they are saved. So it's a anti-RPG is what they call it. Hmm. Basically, you collect love as you go through the world. And your your goal is to save every monster the hero killed. And eventually bring – since everyone's afraid that, okay, the hero doesn't work out, maybe we need to actually like abandon this kingdom and go to the moon. And that is like the other big part of this quest is – Find a way to help build a rocket to the moon. And I'm not going to like spoil where it goes. I will say, I know Toby Fox never thought this game was going to come out in America, but Undertale is litigiously close to this game in a lot of ways. <laughs> litigiously close. I love that. Like, there's like <laughs> single story beats that I think, like, oh, they just took this straight from Moon. And like, obviously, wow. it's, it's well inspired. It's like Undertale is obviously its own thing, but this is a very fascinating game that. I think if you have like if you liked Undertale, I think you should give this game a shot because it is while it is old and while it is inscrutable in a lot of ways, it's a it's a really especially if you like games like Chibi Robo because the same developers went on to make Chibi Robo and you can see things like Chibi Robo had this weird thing with the speech that was like cut up pieces of dialogue of real people giving speeches to like create fake dialogue and like you can see that that idea germinated in this game first, so like mm. you can see like as a a quote-unquote gaming historian, I guess, those, like, things of, oh, there's a Gina reference, there's this reference to Crow Chigger, there's this reference to, or meant reference, but, like, the beginning of this idea in Chibi Robo that, like, starts appealing to you because you start figuring out there's a lot of history in this one game nobody knows about. Wow. That is wild. Uh, yeah, I did not know about Moon... Uh, which is available now on Nintendo Switch. It was originally 1997's Moon. Uh, it sounds like it was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. It does. Uh, wild, wild, wild. Um, anything else on your playlist, or is that is that pretty much what what you're doing now? Uh, let's see. I mean, I, I I knocked out a couple of games recently. Like No Straight Roads was cool. Uh, Battletoads was cool until the third act, which is inexplicable. I don't understand why. Like, have you beat that game? No, I, I I have no desire to play it. Honestly, I I heard such mixed things, and I just I, I have too many other things that I'm interested in. I'm not going to put myself through that. But is the third act the one where it's just like becomes this completely different game? Yeah, it's a it's like three levels of a shooter, three levels of like a an indie platformer kind of game, and then like maybe there are two battles in like the the span of the entire act. Hmm. So so baffling. Christian, are you ever? I know you were intrigued by Battletoads. Are you gonna? I mean, we 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 have it. We got that Game Pass. We got it. No, I played as all I'm gonna play. There's so many yeah. other games that I yeah. find more compelling. Um, it did not stick for me at all. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, what is on your playlist, Christian Spicer? Avengers, which we've talked about, and yeah. then um, the game of the year for both 1997. Uh, both I think that was Moon or whatever it was. I don't remember when they originally came out. And also for 2020, um, Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two, the the remake remaster. Um, it's so good. 
It is so good. I'm playing on PC. Um, it is running. I think I'm kind of crushing 144 frames pretty consistently, but someone might yell at me, like, it's 120. It might be. Uh, very, very smooth. Very, very beautiful. The updated graphics um, look phenomenal. The levels, I would say, like, they are what I remember them to be, but I've looked at a few screenshots and it's like, oh, this rail's moved over half a in-game foot or something like that. But I feel like they nailed the feel of what those levels are. Also, uh, and I'll talk about some more specifics about the game, but it's it's COVID-aware. Where like you're at the school and there's a billboard, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, be safe. We'll get back together when we're through this. Like wear a mask. And it's that was uh, but that was authentic from the nineties. They getting getting through this just meant um, grunge. <laughs> yeah, we'll wear a flannel. Um, <laughs> seeing that stuff in game is both like oddly comforting and also just like what are the times? Um, but to me, the thing that makes the Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two this this remake so successful is the feel. It nails the feel of those games. Muscle memory nails the feel of those games so much so i think this is my first night of avengers troubles i finally just switched because the audio kept like becoming garbage in avengers and i played a little bit of tony hawk um so you can find that on stream but i i I was playing the school with my xbox elite still hooked up and i was like i this i I wasn't hitting things and i wanted to hit them and it's like it's the controller my muscle memory is a playstation controller and i switched it out hooked up my dualshock 4 sure enough ripping combos there it is like just that little shift of a handhold and for me you know makes that difference like i want to go buy a playstation mini now just to get the controller (laughs) plug into my computer to play tony hawk like it feels it feels so good and this game does everything right in my opinion in terms of what like a remake should be that's not a full Link's awakening like total you know i don't i don't want that i don't want a total change i want the graphics to look better the animations to be smoother i want the frame rate to be better but i still want it to feel and play the same and the ramps to be in the place that i remember them it has a killer soundtrack it has the skate get the tapes secret gaps there are secret characters the levels unlock you know as you progress you do a few challenges in each thing you get a new level the opening cinematic if i call it that like load screen it's such a wonderful like tone setter for what the game is going to be, where it starts off with like the original FMV from like, whatever it was, 98. And then like cutting, like almost like a match cut to today and kind of shifting. You're playing as older character models of a lot of these older, um, the, the skaters that are older in real life or older in game. And it is just such a pure gaming experience that doesn't feel bogged down by so many of the things that i think could bog down this type of package where it's like reinvented for you know 2020 and it's like no this is tony hawk pro skater one and two there are options to play it with the three move set so you can revert off of um, vert ramps and then go into a manual and have those extended combos or you can play with just the moves that were in tony hawk pro skater one or two to have that exact same experience um and it is, I am shocked. Like I was excited about it and I talked about the warehouse demo, but you know, Activision doesn't always have the best track record with, with this kind of release. But I think with what, with crash and I guess the switch crash port, maybe it wasn't great. I could be mistaken. Um, 
But I think Crash, the Insane Trilogy, pleased a lot of people as well. And Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 is such an incredible package that uh, I cannot recommend the game enough to people that have even the, the tiniest inkling of fondness for that franchise from before. Or if you're new to the franchise, I think this is a perfect entry point. And this game gets so much right, it makes Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5 that much worse <laughs> and that's not an easy feat not, not an easy, easy thing to do i interesting to mention like the the activist track record because they did a hd remaster of one and two and that was garbage last, yeah last generation people hated it so like it is cool that they actually like managed to you know they took the the feedback from why people didn't like that and actually fixed it and they made a release i've never seen i haven't seen anybody complain about this game at all every tony hawk fan i've talked to loves it yeah, and they, it's a little thing too. They renamed the mute grab because Tony Hawk's grown older, and like a lot of skateboarding and that culture, uh, you know, extreme sport culture. And I'm not excluding myself from it. It's like uh, sophomoric, not very sensitive stuff. And they're like, no, this is named after the guy who did the thing. We were all jerk kids when we were little, and we called him a mute. He's not mute now in the game. It's named after him. It's like. You know, things like that. The uh, Epic Open World in the chat says also that, yeah, the mall is empty now because it's 2020. Um, it's it's such a wonderful passion project, it feels like, by um, the developers and, and Tony and kind of the people that came together to make it. And again, they could have just had an all-new soundtrack, right, of like, here's this hot new artist. Like, here's Black Bear, whom I, I really enjoy uh, his new album. But it's like, you know, just like passing off, like, hit uh <laughs> whatever it is but it's like no we're we're listening to goldfinger superman you know <laughs> like it's it's really well done really well done you're gonna make me buy this game you are gonna make me buy this game. i put so much so much time into tony hawk's pro skater 2 oh my god yeah, that game so much time on pc would be my recommendation to you because i know you have a, a nice gpu and then you'll you'll always have it Right. I have a piece of garbage cool. is what you mean. I have a piece of garbage, Christian. <laughs> right. But you'll have the game on PC, so you don't need to like dig out your console. Like I'm the guy yeah. who just, I mean, it's probably a year ago now, but I put my Dreamcast back up to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 again. And now I have it on my PC. The controller's good. The PC port's good. It reads the controller really well. Like There's no quirkiness there where it's like, it's beautiful, but I'm playing with mouse and keyboard. Um, yeah, right. It's it's really nice, Jeff. You You will not... You will not regret it. I guarantee. Did you see the uh, the video that Tony Hawk put out of of them setting up a real life SKATE in his? Uh, they they had like inflatable letters that looked just like the, the balloons looked just like the game the in game letters, and he, he skated over them and tapped them with his board. It was pretty great. It does feel like a labor of love. He, he he. I don't know him personally. I've seen him once at like an X game style event. I I not pretending like I know Mr. Hawk at all, but he seems like a nice dude with an awesome online social media presence where he like, for a while he was always tweeting out people like thinking he was someone else. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're that guy. Yeah, I am. Oh, I love you, Vince Vaughn. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> fun. <laughs> really fun. Really fun. Awesome. Uh, well, let me tell you something else that's really fun. Our next sponsor which is HelloFresh. Oh my gosh, I love HelloFresh. I, I mentioned that my son's birthday was yesterday. Uh, my mom has been in town uh, for a few days to celebrate. And it has been delightful. I went went large and got the four-meal HelloFresh. Uh, HelloFresh, by the way, the number one 
meal kit in America. America's number one meal kit. Uh, and I love HelloFresh. So we had, we went, we usually get three meals uh, in our meal kit. You can get up to six, super flexible, super easy. We went with four this week, which has been great. I had a night where uh, my wife had to go do something. So I had my mom and the kids here. I got to do one of their super quick and easy meals that you can do in like 20 minutes or less. It was ravioli, chicken ravioli. It was amazing, delicious. I whipped it up so fast and so quick. It was cooked by me. So I got to be that cool guy that cooks for my mom and the kids and provides for them and feel good about that. I also know what's in it. And so I don't have to worry that it's, you know, just take out garbage. I can actually make them good food that I made that I put the right stuff in. And it was fast and easy. Then, uh, uh, two nights ago, I did uh, this like cherry balsamic pork. Uh, uh, it, it was amazing. Pork tenderloin, I think it was. It was absolutely delicious. This is like the more like high-end gourmet. It takes a little longer. Still, you know, 40 minutes, half an hour. But presentation was amazing. Got to wow my mom. Got to make it for my wife. Got to be the one making food. This is the kind of thing that, that, HelloFresh allows you to do. You save time because you've got great recipes there. You've got all the ingredients you need to make them. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to worry about what you're going to have. You have variety in your menu because you're not just having the same old stuff that you're used to all the time. You have these really cool outside the box. You think I would have made cherry balsamic pork tenderloin? Heck no, I would never have made that. But I did because of HelloFresh. Plus, it's sustainable they have these pre-portioned ingredients. You don't have to worry about throwing a bunch of excess ingredients away if you bought too much or didn't have the right amount. It goes bad in your fridge and you feel bad. The packaging that they ship your food in is almost entirely made from recyclable material. It's great. And they give back. They are donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019. They're doing even more this year in light of COVID. Uh, it, it fits your lifestyle. It, it's just... Fantastic. It has improved my life immeasurably. And I hope you, you try it yourself. When you go to HelloFresh.com slash 80DLC, that's HelloFresh.com slash 80DLC, and use the promo code 80DLC, you'll get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash 80DLC and the promo code 80DLC at checkout. It's all one word the number eight, the number zero, and then DLC. Uh, additional restrictions apply. Please visit hellofresh.com slash 80 DLC for more details. All right. Uh, my playlist is uh, a lot of Avengers, obviously, but also I checked out the new free-to-play uh, game. It's uh, I think it's on Switch as, as well, but I played it on PC uh, via the Epic Game Store. It's called Spellbreak. This is a game that had a prominent feature in a recent um, Summer of Games presentation, and it intrigued me, so I leapt on it as soon as it was released. It's a free-to-play, basically, it's basically Fortnite in a fantasy world. And I'm not a super fan of Fortnite. Uh, You know, I I played a fair amount of Fortnite. ray tracing now, though, Jeff. I don't know if you noticed that it has ray tracing now. Fortnite does? Uh, Getting ray tracing, so. Let me pull my graphics card out of the garbage and and load it up. I'm not a huge fan of Fortnite, but I am a huge fan of the fantasy worlds. Uh, I like I like mages. This is a game about combat mages, and the fiction of this world is super cool. Basically, the, you start with 
a, a class of of mage, uh, be it uh, fire mage, lightning mage, ice mage, wind mage, earth mage, poison mage. I think those are the all of them. Uh, and the way you become that mage is you have this gauntlet on your hand, uh, and you can have two gauntlets. So you start with a class of mage, but then in the course of the level of the game, you can pick up other gauntlets and replace your other hand. So your right hand, which corresponds to the right trigger and right bumper, if you're playing with a controller, um, operates that gauntlet. It has a basic attack and then a kind of a super attack. And then you can swap out your left-handed gauntlet and pick up more powerful versions, different elements, whatever loadout you want to, as long as you can find that thing in the in the game world. It's basically like, you know, run around Fortnite finding better weapons. In this case, you're finding better gauntlets. You're also finding runes that give you upgrades and let you do a, a special movement-based uh, ability. And you have armor and you have uh, health potions and and shards of armor that you can activate. They're usable items. Uh, so you're running around the, the level, finding these things, and it's cool because it feels like a fantasy game. It feels like a role-playing game where you have levels of rarity. Yes, of course, Fortnite has levels of rarity on their items as well, but there's something that just works with the fantasy element when you find an epic level item or a legendary item, and it's this, you know, it, 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 it fits with you being a mage, uh, and I'm into it. The look of this game is stunning. It looks like an animated TV show. And yes, Fortnite kind of looks like an animated TV show too, but this looks like a 2D sort of cell animated. The way fire moves, it, it looks like it looks like Legend of Korra or Avatar The Last Airbender, which are shows I adore. Uh, it has that aesthetic. And it, it's just stunning. The levels are huge and varied. I just wish this game was a full role-playing game. I, I want this world and this look to be a single-player role-playing game or a multiplayer role-playing game and not just a big, you know, uh, battle royale. I, I, I've played a fair amount of it. The first game I played, I won. It's team-based. At least that's the only mode that I had unlocked was a team-based mode. So you're playing with multiple teams. And yes, you have circles that contract and you have to get inside them. And, uh, you know, all of this. It's basically Fortnite sands the building aspect you're not actually building structures like you are in Fortnite, but uh it's a battle royale it's PUBG, whatever um but because of this fantasy layer i was much more inclined to really dig it i'm not using sniper rifle sniper rifles and pistols and bazookas i'm using you know fantasy spell casting and so it's much more inclined in line with the things that i i'm already jazzed about and the look and feel is so beautiful boy it makes me wish that this IP could go on and be an MMO or a, a, a single player role playing game because, gosh, I love being in that world. I love how it works. It feels great. The movement, the traversal over these large expanses, it feels awesome when you can fly and hover and levitate and you get all these cool movement effects that you can pick up. A lot to like about Spellbreak. It's just not the kind of game that I usually play. Yeah, that was that was the feeling I came away from the Gamescom trailer with. It was like, oh, this looks really cool. I'm really digging this art. Like, it reminds me of uh, the Dragon Prince on Netflix. Yes, but I w- I would play this more as like a Zelda game or something like yes. that. Like, that's the kind of game I. This looks amazing. I don't know that I'm going to get into another battle royale, regardless of how good that battle royale might be at this point. Yeah, it's such a bummer because 
all of the design elements, all of the the look and feel, the feel of the game is fantastic. I mean, the way the spells work, how you move through the world, all of it feels fantastic. And so it makes me wish there was like monsters and caves and treasure and all of the things that I like about fantasy storytelling uh, that uh, this game does not have because I'm just running around looking for other players in slowly contracting circles. Um, but but if you're into those games, I think this is a very high caliber version of that. I, I, I mean, I can't speak to the, the long-term uh, comparison to Fortnite because I just didn't get into Fortnite that deeply. So I don't know how it breaks down that way. But man, it differentiates itself so much on look and feel that I think it hopefully will carve out an audience enough that this IP can be continued in some other ways. It's it's sort of the inverse of, of Fortnite. Like Fortnite started out as one kind of game and became a battle royale. I hope this game does the inverse of that and becomes a game more like how Fortnite started. Yeah. I would totally <laughs> yeah. play a Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalur style game with this art style. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen, listener, if you have not seen Spellbreak in action, I urge you to check it out. It's, it's a free-to-play game. I think it's also on Switch. Um, so you can download it and check it out. It's it's gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Uh, all right, we do have a listener-submitted review. Uh, this was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us from Eric T. from Chicago. Eric writes, I just recently finished a wonderful little game on my Nintendo Switch and felt compelled to write in about it. This is my first written review to the show, and the game originally was released a couple of years ago, so I apologize if it's already been covered without my realizing. Lone Far Sails is a very simple adventure game made by the Swiss developer Oko Motive. It features a silent protagonist and their big honkin' desert-traversing steampunk carriage. There's zero dialogue, and you truly never cr- come across another person during your travels. It's just you, your ride, and the open road as you jump around inside the vehicle, managing your resources, maintaining different parts and mechanisms as they break down, and solving the occasional environmental puzzle as obstacles get in your way. It's a gorgeous game with an even more gorgeous soundtrack. It's cute, peaceful, and somewhat eerie all at the same time, creating quite a unique atmosphere and a very chill gameplay experience. This eerie but captivating feeling is reinforced by the all grayscale, inky aesthetic of the background and landscapes. It's kind of reminiscent of Limbo at times. The only things that are in color are you and your vehicle, allowing you to really pop out amongst your surroundings and provide a lot of character to two things that really don't do or say much. As you continue to move across different landscapes, simply from left to right across the screen the entire game, you're left with these quiet, beautiful moments of isolation and solo adventure that really allow your mind to wander. I found myself reminiscing on my own memories during these quiet times, just as I would as I've, if I were on a particularly long stretch of cross-country road trip. And that's not to say I was bored or wanting to divert my attention elsewhere. It just evoked this feeling of nostalgia before I could even realize. All of this, along with its subtle movements, driving home its themes of loss, isolation, and hope, really made this a special game to me. A total surprise hit. It was a great way to spend a few hours and to me, well worth the 15 bucks I spent in the eShop. I hope you and your listeners are able to check this one out if you haven't already and enjoy it. Cool review. I have not played uh, this game, which is called Far Loan Sales. Uh, Imran, have you played Far Loan Sales? I have not. It's one of those games that's like, I hear people talk about occasionally. Like I'll see somebody 
say, oh, this is a really good indie game to check out. And I just there's so many really good indie yeah, games to check out. It's so just, true. So maybe I'll just give this a shot now, just based on this review. Yeah, and it, it makes me uh, say the thing we say on the show quite a lot, which is there are too many games. <laughs> Too many games. All right. Um, thank you for sending that in, Eric. If you want to have your review of a game that we overlooked or haven't talked about, or you have a different take on something we have talked about, feel free to send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Imran Khan, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I really appreciate it. It's been a really fun time. Great. I'm glad to hear that. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the things you do online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Imran Z-O-M-G. You can find me on Kind of Funny some mornings uh, at Kind of Funny Games. You can all just kind of find my writing at various places. Like I have a byline on pretty much every major site at this point. So yeah, just if you follow my Twitter, you'll see most of the stuff I do. Fantastic. Christian Spicer, how about you? What do you got going on this week? I am streaming, uh, I, you know, quote nightly because, you know, things happen. Uh, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. is the goal on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. It'll probably still be mostly Avengers and mostly Avengers campaign, um, but you can come hang out there. And Twitter's the best way to find out the days I miss. <laughs> I will post uh, at Spicer on Twitter. And I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T on Twitter. And hey, big deal this week. If you want, I've talked about my Dungeons and Dragons show, The Dungeon Run, on this podcast a, a lot because I'm really proud of it. I think it's really, really good. People seem to love it. But a lot of folks have said, boy, it, there just seems to be a lot of episodes to catch up on. You have done 62 of them at this point. That's a lot to catch up on. I'm a little overwhelmed by that. I, I'd love to watch or listen to the show as a podcast, but uh, it's just oh, it's just too much. Great news for folks. If you are that person, if that sounds like you, we did something specifically for you. We did a 20-minute long catch-up video, which will bring you up to date for everything you need to know up till episode 63, which is the one that will premiere this Wednesday, September 9th at 6 p.m. Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All our episodes are on YouTube, so you can watch them all on YouTube or listen to them as an audio podcast wherever you get podcasts. But we did this 20-minute long recap. I'm really proud of it. It showcases a lot of what makes our show so much fun and so special. And it will catch you up as we, we've had this big, long side quest that we started during COVID, and now we're coming back to the main storyline uh, they were time traveling, and now we're back to this really big climactic moment where we're moving in to the dwarven fortress of the four former forges. So we did this uh, catch-up video. So you can watch that. It's on YouTube. You can find it on the Caffeine YouTube channel. It's called A Simple Recap. You can also find it on my website, jeffkanata.com. I've posted it there. So uh, if, if you just want to go to jeffkanata.com, you can find it and watch it. And then hang out with us Wednesday nights. 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. You can also listen to me talk about video or uh, you can also listen to me talk about movies and TV shows on the slash filmcast at slash filmcast.com. Uh, you can hear me talk about comedy and science mashed up together on a show called We Have Concerns, which is at wehaveconcerns.com. 
And I'm doing cameos. If you want to hear me uh, give you a special personalized message, find me at cameo.com slash Jeff Kanata. All right. Woo, that's a lot of me. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Imran, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, so I I wasn't sure about mentioning this thing specifically because it sounds kind of like I'm hawking a product. But my girlfriend was over this past week and I had to cook for her. And she's a much better cook than I am. So I got a sous vide, which mm. is a like a – I had no idea what it was. I should have probably done my research. I just knew it was like a, a thing to help me cook. Is a thing that lets you cook meat by putting in like a water bath. And it is so incredibly useful. It is basically like it's the video game equivalent of cooking. Like I put in numbers and then it just does the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is so easy that I actually managed to make two meals that impressed her, which has been probably the highlight of my week. So if you if you are someone like me who just does not cook that often and wants it to be easier – and you're mostly rely on takeout. This is a fantastic way to get into cooking meat that is simple and great results. Yeah, I have not jumped into sous vide yet, but I have some friends that swear by it. So uh, I'm adding you to the to the pile of nudging me forward into getting one of these things. Yeah. Um, awesome, very cool. Sous vide, uh, Christian Spicer, you got a uh, parting gift? Yeah, I'll do two because I mentioned one, but Black Bear's new album, Everything Means Nothing. Uh, I like it. It's definitely not family friendly, but it's uh, sad lyrics to happy music. It's his, I think, poppiest kind of beats he wrote, among other things. Um, Boyfriend, Justin Bieber's boyfriend co-wrote. He's been doing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of different bands, but um, Everything Means Nothing is his newest album. And then as a former co-host of the podcast, Department of Parenting, which we've you know, has, has sunsetted off into the uh, podcast retirement home. Um, but other parents listening to this that might have similar age children, we have started discussing uh, birds and the bees. And we have, we, we purchased the book, It's So Amazing. Um, and it's real good by Robbie H. Harris. Uh, it's so amazing. And it's for, you know, introducing young kids to um, the birds and the bees and the whole concept of where, where babies come from. It uses proper terms. It repeats things. Um, it allows for questions and, um, it's, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I, I think parents are like, Oh, it's going to be awkward. I, I love the wide eyed optimism and innocence of children being like, wow, cool. And it's helpful to have a book to navigate it other than just being like, uh, ask your mom, you know? <laughs> yeah. And avoiding it. That's cool. That's, that's cool. Uh, it's so amazing. Very, very cool indeed. Uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This one comes to us from Kyle R. from Illinois. Uh, Kyle writes, uh, Hey, fellas, I-, I wanted to share a parting gift that's both a game and great for geeks and sneaks. Disc golf. It's golf, but you throw discs instead of hitting a ball. So much planning goes into each shot before you try and physically make it happen by throwing a frisbee. It's very easy to begin, but very hard to master. Discs are cheap. Courses are usually free to play. Community is strong and friendly, perfect for social distancing, and it's outside. There's a very high skill cap with loads to learn and enjoy. 
YouTube has all you'll need to begin learning throw forms and watching some pro-level play for examples of the game. Google disc golf courses in your area. It may surprise you how many are around. Take your garage frisbee there and play around. Who cares? Check local sporting goods shops for discs. Pro tip, beginner three packs are enough to play for a lifetime. I still play with my three pack from 20 years ago. It's excellent and perfect for our new COVID normal. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, I think I played some disc golf back in college, but I haven't played in many, many years. But it seems like a fun thing. It'd probably be fun with kids too. I think kids would be really into it because it's a little easier than the frustration that is real golf. So thanks for that recommendation. Uh, my parting gift is something I may have mentioned it before. I couldn't remember if I have, but even if I have, it's worth mentioning again because uh, I've been listening to it quite a lot this last <laughs> this last week or so uh, as things have been mounting in, in my life and stress is a hard thing. Uh, there is a YouTube channel called Spiritual Unfoldment with John Butler. And I put this stuff on late at night when I'm up all by myself. And it is uh, this very, very old English gentleman by the name of John Butler who talks about meditation, talks about um, silence and stillness and the things that are really important. And he has this wonderfully calming voice that is uh gentle and he just kind of stands out in a field and there's little ducks and birds and stuff walking by and he's out in the middle of nowhere it's just nature and this calm soothing voice and this man talking about what's really important in life uh and to be to be good and to be um centered and to be whole one of the his big mantras is um uh to what is it? Is something to be whole? Uh, I'm gonna mess it up. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, he talks. He, he he's he's very calming. He's very calming and soothing, and I I benefit a lot from it at night, uh, getting me ready for sleep. So you can find that on YouTube. It's called Spiritual Unfoldment with John Butler. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Imran Khan and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us live in real time and making the show better. We appreciate you. Thank you to our musical contrib- contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thank you to each and every one of you for being here. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>